officially started recording? Yeah. You're what, a bitch. What do you expect? I expect nothing we, anymore. We can't start this shit without me hitting record. This is true. So, here we are. Hi, we're B6 Snitches. Yes, it's Adam, Tara, and Little Dipshit. Um, Little Dipshit is Bentley. Bentley was on the In-Depth podcast this week. He was? And by that, I mean, it was me yelling at Bentley on the oh, In-Depth that's podcast. Good. Look at that, you little dick. He wants to bite and play right now. That's not going to happen. I have the spray bottle right here. So yeah, we're just, you know, living our lives with our cats. I already said this was Basic Snitches. Yeah. But I didn't we're say We're a podcast Tara. about Harry Potter. And that's Adam. I said our names already. Did you? Yes. I said Tara, Adam, and Dipshit. <laughs> that's right. And we are doing chapter seven today. Of the Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. Barty, Crouch, nope. Jack Crouch and Bagman, Bagman and, Crouch. and Crouch. Those two. We haven't had our go-go juice yet, so we're a little bit rusty, and I'm coming off of a family vacation, which you would think, because it includes the word vacation in it, would mean that I'm recharged and ready to go. But unfortunately, it also contains the word family, which means quite the opposite. I'm just coming off of watching Adam's cats. And I told her she could drink some of my wine, but she didn't. She is very nice. Very good housekeeper. Oh, yeah, that's right. Very good housekeeper. You're my housekeeper now. Okay. (laughs) Very good pet sitter. That makes me think of La Mancha. Oh, yeah. I played the housekeeper 10 years ago in the not good production of La Mancha that I was in. I was Padre. All right, let's get into it. Who, who, who... The things. Okay, so in chapter six, the loser of chapter seven is Amos Diggory. Yeah. For being rude to a kid. That makes sense. The winner of chapter seven, just because we love him so much, is Cedric Diggory. Oh, hey. Can I give Cedric a win? What are you looking for? My phone, because I have to read the thing and I just realized you don't have my phone on me. There it is. It's on the other side of the room. Don't know why, but Adam's phone's on the other room. One. It's because I had to repair that thing. The cat's fucked up. Oh, yes. That's nice. I like that very yeah. much. Because everybody else, they just walk through the woods. <laughs> really? I mean, that's all that happens. People walk through the woods. Maybe give the win to Arthur Weasley. Hey, I just did a lot of walking through woods, and guess what? I lost. Right. In other conditions, I may have won, because sometimes walking through the woods is nice. But walking in the woods can be very neutral, as we just learned. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> now, listen to me read this thing that Tara wrote. <coughs> Beautiful. I'm just clearing my throat to read words of Shakespeare that you (laughs) created. Chapter 7, Bagman and Crouch. The port key takes everyone to a moor, and a wizard wearing a terrible muggle disguise sends them to a real muggle who sets them up with their campsite. Mr. Weasley apparently doesn't understand numbers. I would say who doesn't, but I actually understand numbers now. I mean, I I understand numbers better than him. That's the end. (laughs) Anyway, the children and Mr. Weasley put up some tents, and the trio go to get water, and they see a bunch of their classmates on the way. When they return, they learn that Mr. Weasley has been playing with matches, and finally he has to let Hermione show him how to do it right. Seriously, what would they have done if they hadn't invited her on the trip? Finally, we meet Ludo Bagman. He's basically an idiot who also happens to hold a fairly important position in the Ministry of Magic. He bets on the match with the twins, and then Barty Crouch shows up. He is basically the human definition of boring AF, so no wonder Percy is in love with him. Crouch is grouchy, and clearly he has no desire to be at this event, which is truly quite relatable, honestly. Then it's time for the match, and everyone buys Shamrocks because Ireland. Also, rip to Kevin Slug. 
I like that slug. That poor slug. We need he like didn't ask a, for that. We need a super cut of me saying all these I like that bird. I like that squid. I like that slug. <laughs> we really do. You what what did he say? He was like, you boom slug. You, you bust you, slug. You bust slug. You bust slug. <laughs> I will bu- bust slug all over your face. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not your face in particular. That poor no, don't slug. take any no offense. <laughs> That poor slug asked for none of this. Way to change the life. change the subject away from my dick joke. <laughs> I was just over here, you know, advocating for slugs, like I, I do. We get ready because we're gonna be advocating for some other creatures in this book, but that's next chapter. <laughs> so this is really the big chapter now that we've gotten out of recap mode for the most part and build up to this moment. I feel like this is major, major world building. Yes. But then also I wrote that after a few chapters of recap, this is where we just dive right in and it becomes actually a little bit overwhelming. There's a lot of information coming at us. Yeah. Lots of new names, lots of old names, lots of new experiences too. Yeah. We do. We also meet a lot of characters that aren't really like important to the story, but you need them to move things along. Like him meeting this Basil guy and like the muggle that they meet and all this stuff. These are not super important in like the long game things. You just need them to tell the story. One question I actually had for you. They drop a ton of different names in this. There was an Agatha this. There were a whole bunch of other random names throughout that I can't even remember. Agatha jumped out to me because you know my bitch Agatha. Similar to Bertha Jorkins, or let's even go with Sirius Black at the beginning of the book. I was like, how many of these people actually do hold some sort of importance throughout the rest of the series? And I was like, Tara would probably know better than me. Well, none of them. Really, Really, though, they don't. I mean, other than when we meet Bagman and Crouch, the rest of these people are just kind of passing through or Mm. mentioned, which is probably a good thing because Bagman and Crouch are so important to this book and only this book. Yeah. Which is really kind of crazy. Because they're actually not... I mean, I think that their stories are important to the overall story because their histories obviously have affected Harry. We only see them in this book. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because there are, of course, certain books that you relate to certain characters throughout the series. Like, let's take Gilderoy Law. Lockhart, for oh, example. your favorite. Oh my god. He is very associated with the second book, but he comes up later too. And I then like we forget mm-hmm. that because the movies, you know, and right. Unless you like you're I've said this a million times on this podcast already, but you're so much more well versed in the books. I mean Bertie Crouch dies in this book. Spoiler. Yeah. And Ludo Bagman is mentioned in the next book. Yeah, well there's that. Because he dies. I think it's the sixth book. It could be the seventh book. Anyway. And a lot of people die. Um, yeah. In the series. So. Yeah, I don't know if anyone knew that, but. Well, we already had a few They do die. now. <laughs> right? Who who already died? Bertha Jorkins. Price. Quirrell. Harry's parents. Harry's parents. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. So, so we already got some, but I mean, the death starts here. Not literally here, but in this book. So at the same time, like, it's important to, like, focus on some of these really integral characters. Yeah. I think, especially when all these other ones are kind of popping up. And I think that the real big thing that you get a feeling of here is diversity within the Wizarding World. So before we even get into the diversity of the Wizarding World, we also get a huge glimpse of how disorganized the Ministry is. Right. We uh, can t- 
Why do you see that? It's kind of scary because it builds up very sufficiently into the fifth book where everything is just a shit show. You see the Quidditch World Cup and then you see the Triwizard Tournament and you see how all this shit is handled. If you look at just the beginning of this chapter, you're like, holy shit, this is not being handled well at all. The way that they're using muggles, obliviating this muggle every like half an hour. No one knows how to have a fucking muggle disguise. Yeah. Arthur Weasley doesn't know how to fucking use muggle money, but he works in the misuse of muggle yeah. artifacts. There's a problem. If you can't get that at the beginning of chapter seven of Goblet of Fire, you are in for some real crazy shit as we progress through the rest of these books. We started this discussion very, very lightly in the last chapter mm-hmm. that talked about the port keys. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is there a better way? How they're not managed yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that, yeah. Right. Because there comes a point where all the officials kind of give up and they're like, okay, people are going to do magic. We're not going to be able to like keep them from doing that but it kind of i think stems first from the port keys because i'm like okay they have like a plan Mm -hmm. to get as many people here is it the best plan probably not then you get to the moor and they're taking the port keys throwing them in the box timing them and everything to get them there from that point forward it kind of goes out the window they even say go up to this first field and there's a little cottage there with this robert sky yeah but they don't say that he's a muggle or anything is there something that they could do and maybe it's not very humane but to prevent the revelation of their world or something something they could do to like get that muggle out of there well that's the thing is i don't understand why mr roberts is there because i know that they talk about it you know how there's like these anti-muggle things around and it's supposed to be like a muggle comes near they remember something important they had to do or whatever spells and magical precautions up against muggles generally in very magical places like hogwarts and hogsmeade and you know even in their like own dwellings they've talked about it throughout the books and you get more of it probably even in this book just about how they do put these precautions up but i don't understand how mr roberts got involved i don't know if it's his land or something my assumption is that he owns this campground that's gotta be it but if that's the case this muggle is gonna be like something is fucking weird a because there's all of a sudden hundreds of people here he's getting all of this business the way that they're dressed once we actually get into the campground mr weasley is taking so much effort to be like okay i'm gonna make sure that our tent looks Mm -hmm. normal i'm gonna use matches to create this fire even like to the point of we're not gonna use the stove inside right and everyone else is just fucking around doing magic shit there's a fucking Content with turrets. Arthur, that is the least of your worries. Is <laughs> like, right. let me try to make a fire rather than using a stove inside. Well, and I just, like, couldn't they have done something to send Mr. Roberts and his family on a little vacation for a couple Yeah, weeks? something like that. Otherwise, they're hurting this person. How many fucked up dreams is this dude going to have after the Queen's yeah, World Cup, you know? What, well, what and we see what happens. We haven't read that chapter yet, but in a couple of chapters, Mr. Roberts and his family are very poorly treated by the Death Eaters. They're abused. Had they just been sent on a vacation and someone from the ministry taking yeah, care of this? Yeah, but... I mean... That probably was like out of foresight for like everybody who created well, this, but because, at the same time, there's so many things because they shouldn't, on. they wouldn't have been planning for fucking Death Eaters to be there, right? Because I'm so, assuming that that doesn't happen at every Quidditch World Cup, no, exactly. This is the thing I that mean, happens this one every in year, but yeah, I mean, it seems to me, and like we'll obviously get more into this in the next chapter too, but they put all of their effort, I think, on the actual stadium and protecting that <clears> so that. Getting people here and providing enough space for lodging and for it to be, like, protected and able to, you know, be able to still do magic and things like that was a complete oversight. To your point about not only, like, the dress code, first of all, ministry employees, again, Muggle Artifacts Office, talk to somebody who has 
some sort of insight into the muggle world to say, here is the ministry's dress code so that like you can easily find a ministry person. They look like they're a muggle, etc. Something like that. I even think of, like this is where like, muggle studies really comes into play. It's almost like the how to do your taxes class right. that should be in our schools. Based on this, if you want to do anything out there that a normal muggle would do, you need to know how to dress properly. You need to know how to use muggle currency. I'm... And nobody knows how to do that. Honestly, I don't understand how wizards have been hidden for so long. When they can't even fucking, like, disguise themselves as muggles. Right. You know, like, that's the thing that I'm just like, y'all are a mess. There have to be muggles who are like, yeah, there's something else going on here. I mean, and I'm not talking about the Quidditch World Cup. I'm just talking about in general. In general. There are times, I think, even if the Wizarding World has every commodity that the Muggle World has... With some exceptions. I mean, obviously, they're not going to have to go to, like, a mechanic, let's say. But there may be that same equivalent in the muggle world. Grocery stores, let's say. You know, I think of, like, any sort of normal thing that we have. Post office, they have owls. You know what I mean. There's got to be the, like, equivalent from one to another. If you're that well hidden in these communities, and let's say you want to travel to someone else's community, and you want to take the utmost precaution, like you will inevitably have to pass into the muggle world. Right. They're a mess. Yeah. I mean, it just seems so weird to me that they didn't do a better job. Perhaps even like when tickets were purchased, there could be like a very long list of rules. Hey, this is mandatory because there's going to be thousands of people here. We want to be as accommodating, but as precautious. Precautious? Is that a word? It is now. Precautious as possible. (laughs) And say, this is the schedule of the port keys, and when you arrive, check in with this ministry official. They'll be wearing XYZ. Please make sure that you're dressed accordingly. Please make sure that your accommodations are XYZ, and that you can only use magic under these circumstances, etc. They could have even done that for such a huge event like this, but it just, it didn't seem like enough planning went into it. Well, we understand that a little more when we meet. Ludo Bagman. Ludo Bagman. Now, I will say, in this chapter and in the next chapter too, I kind of like his style. Like, he's clearly, like, passionate. He's having fun and everything. And I think that while there is some mismanagement there, it's more of a ministry thing overall. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's clearly meant to be likable. That's the whole point of him versus crowd. But it makes more sense now once like, you meet the dude could have in charge of better yeah. with other ministry officials. Right. Like, sorry, but Arthur, what the fuck? Muggle artifacts. Why don't you know how to use matches and muggle money? Things right? like that. I, I don't understand. I've always been confused by that. Arthur's also a very likable guy. They're like, we're going to keep him here. He's yeah. not very useful, but he's a good guy. I, I have no idea. I think that using a crouch in the same chapter as back, I mean, you kind of said this already, but it sets it up to show the complete contrast between the two of them. Mm-hmm. A, it makes Bagman look more irresponsible, but it also makes Crouch look more like an asshole. Yeah. But then, I mean, you have fucking Weatherby come in <laughs> and he's like, we just got here. We just apparated. 
It right. said, he said it loudly, and it was like, Percy, what the <laughs> so fuck? Dumb. Like, out of anybody who works at the ministry, I feel like you would be, like, really watching yourself and making sure that you're not fucking up, but also nobody calls him on it either. Right. That, So maybe excitement just, like, got ahead of him. Who knows? I mean, he, clearly Arthur isn't even really thinking about it. But then did Arthur know that he would have to use muggle money to, to pay Roberts? Well, yeah, because he brought it. Well, I guess that's true. Everyone is just so disorganized, which, you know, is very relatable. I don't want to come for people because sometimes... I mean, relatable for you, not me. Sometimes I have moments. <laughs> I can be very organized and I can be very not organized. It depends on I'm my day. I'm always organized. Yes, we know. That's the thing. Maybe to an extent, Arthur was like, I should bring this because we are going into muggle territory and I need it. Not that, oh, I'm going to have to like communicate with somebody, but then at the same time, like, hey, Arthur, why didn't you like learn what the fucking numbers are. Like at one point he says like, this is a 10, right? And Harry's like, no, that's a 20. He's like, do you see the numbers on here? Like like, that should not be a muggle versus wizard thing. Like, shouldn't you be able to read numbers? They use numbers all the time in their classes, whether it's, you know, potions or arithmancy, I'm sure, or whatever. You count things in the wizarding world. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. But then when we do kind of like peel off that layer of like, what the fuck is going on? That is when we get into like the diversity and the depth of world building that is really exciting here. It's really cool just to see all these different types of wizards. Yeah, people from different creeds. They go to like Seamus's tent and it's all like the shamrocks and everything. Because so with the name of Seamus, it's like there's no way that they're going to be rooting for Bulgaria. <laughs> or Finnegan, I should say. But Seamus is the most Seamus Irish is... thing I've ever heard. Not just the different like cultures and stuff. But there's also the ages that we get into, like the slug bust moment. Oh my god, the little boy, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. and then the children who are riding on those like brooms that right. only go so high. And some officials like, where are your parents? You shouldn't be using magic and stuff. And it's like, honey, look around you. I think there might be some <laughs> some bigger issues right. that yelling at these children. These children who are just floating around on little brooms that yeah. go foot off the ground. Yeah. Someone starts lighting a fire and yeah. there's like sparks and it's of just... all different colors. And For a reader's perspective, it's fun. Yeah. You know? This is the first time that we learn about Victor Crumb and other wizarding schools too. Yeah. Which, that's a huge part of world building because this really is the book where we step out of the UK and learn that this is not just something in the vicinity of Hogwarts. It's all over the place, which is the joy of these couple chapters. It's interesting because I am looking at like how some of these characters are being introduced. We got Cedric, obviously, in the last chapter. Now we have Victor. The pieces of the actual storyline once we get to Hogwarts are starting to fall into place. Something else that happens here, too, is the whole thing with dress code kind of comes into play again. Oh my gosh, the guy in the dress. Old Archie. He's like, I'm not taking off my dress and put on those pants. Old Archie knows what he's talking about. Oh, Archie is in his life. Well, also, why are you getting on old Archie's case when this motherfucker over here that works with you is wearing a kilt and a whatever like he's a wearing. cape or whatever? A, yeah, a shawl? Really? Like, you're gonna get all up in old Archie's face <clears throat> when all he wants to do is wear his house dress? I mean, it did come from this particular author, so. Right. There is that. And of course, one of my favorite things that happens in this chapter is Crouch not at all knowing Percy's name. Oh, yes. It's kind of like, uh, refreshing really isn't the right word, but it is kind of 
and I'm just like, ha, ha, ha. So here's the thing. I'm always amused by it, but it also just like really goes to show just the kind of person Percy is. He's so determined to be that guy, like be noticed and working his butt off. And it goes completely unappreciated and unnoticed. And he's just going to keep doing it. It's interesting. I think because he keeps doing it, it comes off more of like suck up. Yeah, it does. Because he is like, hey, you want some tea? And he's like, sure, well, then you give me the tea. And then he doesn't even drink it. Yeah. That's the kind of person Percy is. I think that's a relatable thing, you know? Like, you want certain people to like you and notice you and stuff. I think, I think so. in your job, he's a very ambitious person, a middle child. We've discussed Percy at length. He is. He's inexperienced. He's in his so approach, inexperienced. Though. I think that's the thing that pops up more here than anything because we do get that determination in things like the Cauldron Bottoms report mm-hmm. that we, he already had. I think when it comes to this, we see another like layer of it that's like maybe you're trying a little bit too hard. I mean, yeah. like you said. I wish it, this all would come and talk to him. I also feel like Arthur and Molly probably haven't taken the time to be like, we're so proud of you for working so hard. You're probably pushing yourself too much. Instead, you just see Fred and George give him shit, which again, he's being annoying. He's being ridiculous. But at the same time, no one is there to be like acknowledging the fact that Percy is being disrespected by his boss. I don't care who you are. I don't care how annoying Percy is. That's shitty. Well, even like in this read through, even until the twins say something about about it i wonder if you don't even catch like wait what was that but because he only says it like once yeah so far so i think that you're right in that somebody needs to talk to percy about this and be like cool having ambition is great but you've got to slow your roll right ambition is one of those things that when i was pursuing my english degree it came up a lot as like a character flaw of people because i think that it takes the route of percy sometimes where it's just almost too determined mm-hmm. without approaching it in a better way and so then that's when he comes off as like a tryhard. this is part of percy's journey and kind of the reason he takes the direction he takes this plays into that i think that his experience with crouch plays a role in where he turns in the next yeah. two books and i mean we also learn like out of all these people who work in the ministry right now, including Arthur. Nobody else is kind of your average Joe, like run of the mill, hey, let's like be a mentor for Percy or anything. Everybody is kind of not really understanding what to do. And it's funny that Crouch is the only one who actually appears as though he could be a muggle. Harry even yeah. says that he's not sure that Uncle Vernon would be able to like recognize him. Right, which I do love that little he looks like a banker aside there. Yeah, so I think that well, it's so funny far, that- Well, so far, is the only minister member we've met that has any ability to do anything. Right. Love you, Arthur, but you are also included. Right, so I think my point in that is that maybe then Arthur and Molly aren't like the best people to do that. He needs some yeah. other coworker, but then who is it? Like, I don't think we've met or will ever meet right. somebody like that. That plays into the trajectory of his course mm-hmm. throughout the next couple books, you know, which is sad. And I did not expect to talk this much about Percy I know. in this book. I already was like, we're talking already about this little gay man. But I kind of love that we've gone that direction because it is important to catch on to. It's something that pops out a little bit because you do see all this kind of like chaos going on and we're easily able to point out things that are wrong with everything and things that people are doing wrong. But in the middle of it, there's Crouch who, while he's boring and the dick... 
and I don't really care for him very much. He is this gray spot in this cacophony of color mm-hmm. all around with all these like fun, amazing, magical things happening. In his contrast to Ludo Bagman in this like yellow wasp gown. So he's Big like wasp. this piece in the middle that isn't really fitting. And yeah. Percy is also this piece in the middle that isn't really fitting. So they're popping out a lot more. Yeah. I think that this chapter is actually, the more we discuss it, the more I'm intrigued by just everything that's happening with these two men and how different they are. I was always just like, ugh, Bagman and Crouch. Yeah. Meh. But now I'm just like, they're very fascinating. I'm trying to decide if I think he's suspicious now or suspicious later when he starts offering Harry help. I don't trust him, but I don't know how suspicious I feel about him. The first time I read the book, I was suspicious about him until it was cleared up that he was just a piece of shit, but not like an evil piece of shit. He's a mess. I don't know when in the book I started feeling suspicious about him. I don't think it was this early. I think I was just like, this dude's gross. I'm not suspicious of him yet either. I think I'm Well, and now I know that I know his story well and i'm not suspicious of crouch i just think he's a grouch i think at this moment like with everything else going on he pops out as there's something weird to me yeah obviously this is the first of two chapters that we read together for this recording session i think also that we get like that little aside with winky in the next chapter also helps Mm -hmm. with that something feels like out of place overall Whereas Ludo Bagman, it's like, he's here, he's kind of like enjoying his experience. This is what he does his job for, you know? It's yeah. the fucking Quidditch World Cup. He's having fun. Even like when we get to the point where he's trying to like have people gamble. There, I'm almost like, I don't even really mind it because he is kind of like in his element. I mean, obviously I know what happens. So mm. in this, I know where everything's going and whatever. I was just trying to pinpoint where it was. I felt suspicious of him. I think it's much later I think where Crouch there. is going to be sooner. First. I would completely even say like there's anything completely villainous yet. Both pop out as other than a lot of the ministry, like yeah. wrongdoing. The wrongdoing isn't even the right word. All the ministry Mess. Yeah, inefficiencies. Yeah. 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 Even amid all of those both of these are very colorful fun chapters I think to me yeah there's thousands of people here like if you went to a muggle event with thousands of people there's going to be some shifty people there too there's going to be people of all different sorts of backgrounds so I think it's a little bit realistic from that point of view we haven't focused in on anyone quite yet Crouch is just the one that pops out right. to me. Honestly, so. the shiftiest people in the chapter are Fred and George who are like, we're predicting Here's how all this... all of our money. Here's all of our money. We are predicting the outcome of the match. And like, those fuckers are right. They, Spoiler yeah, alert for next that's chapter. That's the next chapter. But yeah. And in this moment, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure they win. But I was like, that was very irresponsible. One of your biggest inventions just all got Akio'd by your mother for a couple chapters ago. You already don't have that. This is a very risky move to make. What the fuck are you going to do if it doesn't work out this way? But of course it does. I think the other big thing that does pop out to me, other than the very, very end of this chapter, which is very fun, and it goes back to more ministry bullshit, and that is confidentiality. Once we meet Ludo and Crouch, Magnet and Crouch, I can think of Crouch's first name, Barty. Barty. Ludo and Barty, that sounds weird. 
that once we meet Bagman and Crouch, they start talking business out in the open mm-hmm. about this one guy who wants to manufacture flying carpets or something. Right. Out in the open with family members around. I think it's Crouch is like, hey, Arthur, I thought I told you to talk to this motherfucker about these carpets. Yeah. That feels weird to me. <laughs> like, it's... It, it's the same thing that you say anytime they're having conversations around students at Hogwarts when they should not be saying It's adults students. just being fucking irresponsible yeah they also disapparate in the middle of everything so like so what's the whole deal about not doing we're magic we're not doing magic or are we doing magic I'm why just... are these little girls on brooms two feet off the ground why does that have anything to do with anything when your ministry officials are apparating in and out and also like talking about apparating in a full volume no no ma'am that sounds weird to me other thing that kind of jumped out to me about that moment is arthur says something like carpets are classified as like a muggle artifact yes whereas i guess a broom is just like a commonplace thing which seems weird to me right why wouldn't you be able to enchant these other objects to help you fly around and it says something about like they wanted to have a more like family friendly traveling style which we have learned probably would be a good thing in some cases yeah i'm thinking of the flu network (laughs) in particular so like what's the big deal it almost felt a little bit racist to me yeah because when you think of the flying carpet in just literature in general it always comes up in like middle eastern saudi arabian kind of theme Right. You know, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. So, like, what's the problem with that? Yeah. But then, is it somebody who's doing that in the UK because Arthur has to handle it? Or is is that completely legal in other Middle Eastern countries? Right. Because even somebody says, I don't think it's actually Arthur, it might have been Crouch, says something along the lines of, well, they're never going to replace brooms. Oh, Brooms are always sh- going to be the standard or something. I think like that's that. Bagman. Crouch says that this guy is desperate to export here. And then Bagman will never replace brooms in Britain, will they? So and he's then... looking to export. So maybe yeah. it's like legal in his country, but they're not going to allow it here. It just seemed very, very weird to me. Like just because. Well, there's also that carpets are banned. There's got to be more history to that. Yeah. Because that's what else Crouch says. I remember my grandfather had an ex-minster that could seat 12, but that was before carpets were banned, of course. I wonder if this also then plies into the whole drama behind your lover, the Fort Anglia. Oh, yes. And why, oh my gosh, if your father had been found out for having like a car that could fly, he'd be fired. Well, I, I'm assuming what would make sense, obviously I don't trust this Ministry of Magic, but let's pretend that they did do this. Everything kind of goes through a process to be approved and like brooms have been a thing for years that have always worked and they did go through the process of being approved and maybe something happened with magic carpet that they were banned and there's like the market for it but Britain's like no we don't do that here I have no idea you know I feel like everything probably went through some sort of process though to be yeah you would think that there would be like some situation I don't know I think it's like when we watch the Fantastic Beasts movies and like they don't allow magical creatures in America there's certain areas that just don't allow this thing to happen and like Mm -hmm. how much more strict their regulations are in America I guess that makes sense this has more of a human 
human touch to it, which I think is why it pops out more. I feel like it's a very quick little conversation that they have that it makes me wonder like, do they have this conversation? Is it written this way only so that it can be like, oh, here's ministry officials talking business around people who shouldn't be? Or like, <laughs> is there another reason why this was brought up here yeah. other than to show again the diversity of the witches and wizards? I wonder if it was more the first one, but who knows? Yeah, that was very awkward to me. It was like very out of place, yeah. I think. I think I feel like you made a really good point about Crouch doing it. Like everyone else talking all over the place, spouting out important shit sounds like about what you expect from them. Yeah. I don't expect it from Crouch. So yeah. yeah, I wonder if it's just supposed to be like, ah, oh, ministry business, blah, blah. And Well then... We get to the final moment in this chapter, which is this fun little souvenir moment. I love it. I do too. This I is maybe I, my favorite part. Of I the want chapter. those. I want a pair of those omnioculars. Omnioculars. Yeah. Well, good, because very soon you'll be able to choose. Oh god. Oh good. Anyway, so yeah, the omnioculars are really cool. Everything I thought. Like the little miniature crumb is super fun. Mm-hmm. The scarves and the apparel and I mean, it really is very indicative. Like when you go to like a festival I, or something. Yeah. Well, what came up in my mind? I feel like I talked about this in like a very earlier episode of going to like Lakeside as a kid. They had all these like little shops and like you could buy candy and like. <laughs> other bullshit yeah. there. Now, these days, too, I'm like, I do not give a fuck if I come home with a trinket that has, you know, some city's name on it. You don't whatever. want a coffee mug from every city you visit? Uh, depends on the city. Right? Yeah. That's fair. The last time I got something like that, when I went to Chicago a few years ago, I did get a mug that had Chicago on it. And then, when I went to Vegas, I still am like, man, I wish I would have gotten something. Nowadays, I'm more of like, what's something I need or what's something that's useful that also maybe has that sort of like flair to it almost like those really fancy programs that you can get sometimes for an event or a concert or something right when i went to vegas i saw beatles love as you know i was jealous please sponsor us because i will talk about you ad nauseum cirque du soleil it was so fucking good and then tara can get a free ticket to go to as well as me give us free tickets to go see beatles love in las vegas (laughs) God, I need to see it. It was incredible. And on the way out, it was just such a big group of people that I was like, fuck it. But I could have very well gotten the glossy program that had pictures and stuff in it. And that would have been so cool. I, I so, would have been doing that. Yeah. Was me. That's the kind of souvenir that I like. But this is so reminiscent of when you're a kid and you're just yeah. like, I want trinkets. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's fun. I do like that. I like when they just get to do things that we would do. Yeah, that normal kids get yeah. to do. This is very, very fun. And it's a nice way to end the chapter. I think so too. I feel like we forget to an extent that this is like an event. And like you you said the word festival a couple yeah. moments ago. It's for a sport that they all really, really love. And at the root of it, I wish that more of that kind of popped out. And it does more in the next chapter, I mm-hmm. think. Because it's such an overwhelming, chaotic chapter, I think, with so much to look at. So you were just talking about one of the omnioculars. Well, fuck Mary Kill, bitch. <laughs> Omnioculars, those scarves with lions that really roared, and dancing Irish top hat. I think I'm going to... She's really thinking about this I am. Usually she's pretty quick, but I can see the appeal of all of these for you. Uh, my answer is very clear, I think. I feel like I shouldn't do this, but I'm, I'm going to kill the Irish top hat. 
That's what my answer was Which is too. very bad, because I'm Irish. You're Irish. I'm Slovenian, which is close to Bulgaria, I think. And see, that, what, what's your name? Alexa, is Bulgaria close to Slovenia? Slovenia is 568 miles from Bulgaria as the crow flies. As the crow flies? What the fuck that mean? <laughs> That didn't really give me the answer I needed. It seemed like that was close enough, but I need to look it up. Anyway, yeah, I guess I would kill that, and I would fuck that lion scarf, and I would marry my omnioculars. We have the exact same answers. Well then. Bulgaria and Savina are really very close, but they're sort of Eastern European, so close enough. Yeah, I have the same exact answer. I love it. Those omnioculars are just way fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, you could use those anywhere to spy on people. Right? I would, if my cat did something funny, I would just rewatch my cat. Yeah. I mean, funny. bird watching and stuff and things in nature would be so much cooler. You could rewatch good theater. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that too. You could fast forward through bad theater. <laughs> Yes. The use in nature, like if you're bird watching and you see the, you know, the blue footed dildo bird out there, it would show you what the name of it is. Right? I do love that too. Yeah. Like it shows all of that. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. So we all need I, one. you can't not marry the omnioculars. Those are so, so cool. If you aren't marrying the omnioculars, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with the, you. The other two are very kitschy. First of all, I'm more of a scat. I was about to say I'm more of a scat person. I am not a scat person. You know what scat means, right? It means poop and sex. Ew. I'm not a scat person. What I meant to say, I'm more of a scarf person than a hat person. Okay. I don't really like wearing hats because I put a lot of work into making sure my hair doesn't look like shit. I do have like a very little bit of Irish in me, but I have more Eastern European-ish in me, even if Bulgaria and Slovenia are 516 feet or whatever the fuck Alexa said. Miles. Miles, thank you. Not feet. I feel bad. Killing the happy, you gotta kill something. The scarf looks so much cooler. So, same. Yes. So they walk up the hill that they land on. Right, and then it's suddenly like Quidditch World Welcome Cup. to the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. There's no muggle. There's no motherfucker in a kill. There's no one regulating anything. It's, it's just like, a lot of magic. It's way more unregulated in the movie. There's yes. people flying brooms like crazy. There's motherfuckers on big tall kilts. Stilts. Stilts. Whatever. There's a lot of ilts related. <laughs> There's probably kilts too. They go up to their tent. Some of the tents do have the weather vanes on them. The weather vane, yeah. And the like little like chimneys on them and stuff like that. So that was kind of a nice touch. I did not see the tent with turrets, which was disappointing. But. <laughs> so they go into a very ordinary looking tent, and then this is my favorite magic thing that happened so far in this book, other than not like over the port key, the fuck them port keys. Yeah. We go in and it's a beautiful interior. It is. It's a lovely looking tent. And then we have the Harry poking his head in to be like, I love magic. Yes, me too. Bitch. I love magic. One thing that we did not talk about in the book is how the tent does smell like cats and is very like Mrs. Fig-esque. When I was reading that, I was like, why? Like, is that just like the style of tent that that particular tent is? Well, he borrowed it from Perkins. 
Oh, and Perkins is Perkins like an must old lady like, bitch. Yeah, maybe Perkins has cats. And then the lady tent. It's, it all said like the girls had a separate tent. Yeah. And I was like, damn, if the girls got a separate tent, then Ginny and Hermione are living in luxury. Really? But in the movie, they are sharing a tent. Yes, which is fine because I think it looks amazing. It does not look like it smells like cats at all. No, it might we're, smell like cats. We don't know. We're, we're not there. We're recording in a room that smells like cats. I've got a cat sitting against You me. smell like piss. He looked at me like, I know. And yeah, that's the movie. And that's all that we get from that chapter in the movie. We don't get to meet Luda Bagman at all. Not in at this all. Movie. And we don't get to meet Crouch for a little while. You do get to see the chaos of the festival and everything. It would have been nice to yeah. see a snitch more. I mean, really, this chapter is the introductory of like the expansion of the world. Mm-hmm. But there is some of those additional elements, such as realizing that the ministry is really disorganized that you do miss out on. You get more of that, I think, in the next movie really that's when it pops up more i mean i think it does an okay job i think the tent is the big upgrade in the book the tent is really cool yes see we get a little bit of the movie and we don't even get to talk too much about it because it's like a smidgen in the fucking movie for real though Here's who got points. 10 points to Harry for buying those omnioculars because those are cool gifts. Those are cool. They gave one to Hermione and to Ron. I was like, that is very generous. I'm also giving 10 points to Ludo Backman. <laughs> okay. I think because he does come off with some fun energy in here, even though he is pretty irresponsible and we ultimately know that he is a dick. I think for first impressions, I wasn't too mad at it. Obviously, we know that Percy feels that he doesn't do his job very well, but... I have some thoughts about Percy, too. So I gave Ludo Bagman 10 points. All right. I'm also giving five points to a bunch of people. I'm giving them to Seamus, Oliver, Cho, and Ernie. Because He's we see all of them. showing up. Yep. What about Dean? Dean is with Seamus. Oh, fuck. No points Damn it. for Dean. I have to give them to Dean. I have to. Dean is amazing. Hang on. Dean gets five points, too. I need to add it to my list. Give me a sec. <laughs> because if I were going to choose between Dean and Seamus, it's always going to be Dean. Yeah, but De- Seamus was the main one because we met his mom and stuff. Yeah, we did meet his rock So star. Dean gets five too. Also Ooh. five points to the muggle tech guy because he had a hard day. What a hard day, this poor dude. And I'm also giving five points to old Archie because you live your life and you wear your dress and don't make that ministry motherfucker make you put slacks on. Right? The most uncomfortable pants in the world. So rude. So you were valid in your flowery dress, old Archie. Negative five points from Barty Crouch because he's stuffy, suspicious, and he called Percy Weatherby. He's very rude. Yes. Negative five from Fred and George for being uncareful with money. Yes. Even though it pays off in the future. But for now, I'm talking about just this chapter. And negative ten to Percy because even though you've been called Weatherby... I think that you are being very insufferable and too much of a tryhard. And you screamed that you were apparating. Like, you should have known better too, ministry worker, tryhard bitch. That was, as a recap, plus 10 to Harry and Ludo, plus 5 to Seamus, Oliver, Cho, Ernie, Dean, Muggle, Tent Guy, and Old Archie. Negative 5, Fred, George, Barty Crouch, negative 10, Percy. How do you feel? I feel like the slug deserved some points. Oh, man. That poor slug. You know what? I'm. You guys heard it first. This is a basic snitches first. I'm giving two new people points. Thanks to me. Thanks to Kevin. Not Kevin. <laughs> well, <laughs> Your name is Kevin but- now. <laughs> I was thinking Kevin Slug. Kevin, because Kevin's a little boy. Five points to Kevin Slug for dying. Poor slug. Next time we're going to be discussing chapter eight. The Quidditch World Cup. The Quidditch World Cup. Our food is already on the way. 
Yes. We ordered Chinese food and we are drinking wine. We had to, you know, pause to watch the movie, so I opened up the wine. Perfect timing. So we're we're done. Ten points each of us for perfect timing. No, no more points. I'm not giving out any more points. I'm giving out points. To, nope. <laughs> I just closed out of my one note. You ain't adding points. Not end points. These are just for today. Life points. We won today. Negative fifteen points to Bentley for biting me. He is very rude. You were a rude bitch. Are you rude bitch? He's very cute, even though he's a demon. Well, yeah. <laughs> so next time we're going to read that chapter we just told you about, Quidditch World Cup. And you would have a great evening. Or whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. Great, great life. Time of your life listening to us. Until babble. next time. Bye. Uh, <laughs> For this season, at the end of every episode, I'm going to make a weird noise. <laughs> Apparently, that's the trend. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice, and be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Aloha, Mora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.